Keeping Afloat by Cruise Director Kabir. This is Season 2, Episode 5 of Keeping Afloat. And I'm Kabir, your Cruise Director. At this point, I'm serving as the captain of my house. I wish I was on a ship, but hopefully soon. Because dressing up, walking into my family room, and introducing our latest episode of Superstore is getting a little bit old. When I am on a ship as a cruise director, my job is to oversee all of the entertainment as well as to host the cruise. It's my job to help you make the most out of your holiday when you're on my ship. Just a quick disclaimer, while this show is mostly based on my experiences, some situations may have been modified for entertainment purposes. For privacy purposes, the names of the original characters have been changed. The accents in this show are for dramatic and character identification purposes only, and are not intended to offend anyone. And finally, the views expressed in this show are mine, and not that of any brand that I'm associated with. In order to get the optimal listening experience, make sure that you are using headphones. We've added some new sound effects to this episode, and I hope that you enjoy them. Before we get started, I wanted to say that this is the episode where everything changed. When I first came up with the idea of creating this podcast, and specifically a podcast that followed my career at sea, I always thought back to what this episode would be like. How was I going to articulate how I was feeling? Because there were a lot of feelings. This was a massive time of growth, learning about people, management, and just growing up in general. With that said, a lot of things have happened over my career. Some things were amazing, and other things were really hard. And I learned from each and every one of those experiences. This time, the actual days leading up to formally taking over a ship as cruise director were some of the most memorable of my career. I remember everything. I also feel like Right after this, everything changed. Things got to be more serious, and that's going to become more apparent as the show carries on. It's obviously been a few years since I became cruise director. Now it's been almost four, specifically. I've grown a lot, and I've learned so much since then. I'm excited to share the story with you through all of the twists and turns. With that said, let's cast off. As I said before, this episode is full of big moments, and some of you might be wondering how I recall such specific information from so many years ago. The answer is actually pretty simple. I took pictures. I have pictures of my entire journey of working on ships, and all of those pictures are time and location stamped. It helps me to recall the specific events that were happening when the picture was taken. In this case, I have so many memories and pictures that I just can't wait to share with you. That is how I can recall the entire interview process. After a series of interview steps, I was finally invited to Ocean Cruise Line's headquarters in Miami. The wait was agonizing, and word finally came almost a month after my final online interview, which, by the way, was a very painful month to wait. 
on February 21st, 2017, exactly two years after I began working on cruise ships, I boarded a flight to Miami to finally interview for my dream job. It was still a surreal moment. I remember the feelings just like they were yesterday. The flight itself was exactly the same as the one that I flew on my first contract, right down to the same airplane type, an Air Canada Airbus A321. As the engines spooled up for takeoff, I sat back in my seat. I'll never forget the feeling as I flew past the CN Tower because it was a mix of excitement and nervousness. The cruise line was nice enough to fly me in a day before and put me up in a relatively large hotel suite, a far cry from the first hotel I stayed at as cruise staff, where I almost had to share a bed with a stranger, and you can hear all about that in episode 1.1. The night before, I spoke to my friend and mentor, Angie, who'd helped push my resume along at my previous company and started my journey on ships. I prepared extensively for this interview, going over all of the possible questions that I could be asked, specifically focusing on my performance and leadership background. The following morning, it was showtime. I barely slept. I was up by 6 a.m. because I kept having this recurring dream that I overslept my alarm and missed the interview. By seven o'clock, I was out the door in an Uber heading to Ocean Cruise Line's massive head office on the outskirts of Miami. As the Uber drove around the roundabout in the driveway, I noticed a nice touch, the classic Ocean Cruise Line signature funnel in the center of the little roundabout. It was a nice touch. As I opened the doors and walked into the lobby, I was taken aback by how incredible it was. Because for me, it was like a dream. Lining all of the walls were dozens of massive models of cruise ships. I walked up to the front desk and said, Hi, I'm Kabir. I'm here to speak to Justin Delaney from Entertainment. Without blinking, the receptionist picked up the phone and pushed some numbers. Yes, Mr. Delaney. I have a Kabir here for you. Perfect. Justin was on his way down to get me. I was also extremely early. But hey, it's better to be early than to be late. My heart was beating through my chest. In fact, I still have the visitor's badge from that day in my journal. I put the badge on and stood up as soon as I saw Justin. I knew what he looked like because my friend and now adopted aunt, Gajal, had shown me pictures of them when they both worked on ships together. Hello, Kabir. Good to finally meet you. You're a, a tad early, but that's good. Come on. Justin led me through the turnstile entry things, almost like what you'd see at the New York City subway. All I could think was, get your game face on, because this is it. It's showtime. That day, I spoke to a whole group of managers for Ocean Cruise Line Entertainment. From the head of production shows to crew staff, music, etc., the first thing I noticed was that they had a lot of people doing a lot of very similar jobs. For example, they had a series of entertainment operations managers. They oversaw a certain class of ship. In this case, there were six different classes. Then they had a director of entertainment operations, a director of entertainment, 
and then the vice president of entertainment. In total, I met with five different people. Toward the end of the interview, Justin said, Usually the VP of entertainment likes to meet the new cruise directors, but in this case she's away, so one day you'll get to meet her. After the final meeting was over, Justin took me for a quick lunch in their employee cafeteria, which, by the way, was really cool because they have their own Starbucks. In the cafeteria! As we sat down, he said, You're through the thick of it, my friend. Justin was tall, about 5 foot 10. He had a round face with short hair and wore a relatively tight suit. Every time I looked at him, I felt kind of a sense of comfort, I guess, seeing as he knew one of my closest friends from ships, Gajal. I hope so. I've been nervous about this, and I really want it. I know. Just hang in there. We'll see how it all goes. Justin and I chatted for a bit before he walked me out. Overall, the feeling was pretty good. My flight took off from Miami at 4pm that same day, and I was home just a few hours later. But now began the process of waiting while they made their decision. I don't know if you're like me, but I find waiting like this excruciating. I had a few conversations with Justin, one of which really helped to put my mind at ease. They loved you. Sit tight. You're fine. And that was the message I got from him. So I did. Three weeks after my interview, I got an email telling me that I was going to be Ocean Cruise Line's newest and youngest cruise director. It came with a massive salary bump and a huge amount of excitement. Just two short years after starting my journey on ships, I was now officially a cruise director. It's funny, since my first week on a ship, I'd been adding to this note that I'd put on my iPhone when I become a cruise director. It was full of all these lessons and tips and tricks that I'd picked up along the way. And it was nice to know that, eventually, I'd be able to implement stuff that I had learned. But before I could even think about doing that, I had to endure cruise director training. What does that entail, you may ask? You'll find out right after this. Since you're here, I'm assuming you're enjoying the show. Help support it and ensure that these episodes keep coming out and getting better and better by picking up some cool merch from the Cruise Director Kabir store. Use the coupon code KEEPINGAFLOAT to save 10%. Plus, it supports the show. Happy listening! A month or so later, there I was, sitting on a WestJet Boeing 737, preparing for takeoff from Toronto. It felt surreal to know that the next time that I'd be boarding a ship, it would be with the title of cruise director. As people boarded the plane, I took some time to do some mindfulness and just deep breathing. I was trying to calm my mind because the role of cruise director that I envisioned was going to be slightly different. Let me explain. Ocean Cruise Line had recently adopted a new system where there would be two leaders in the onboard entertainment team. The cruise director would act as the face of the ship and the brand, hosting the game shows, theater shows, activities, and being a true celebrity on board. The new system involved introducing a new role, the entertainment director, 
someone to oversee the administration and be the, quote, head of department, unquote. The thought was that the cruise director had too much to do between running around and running the department, as well as hosting the cruise. At my first cruise line, there was no such thing as an entertainment director. The cruise director oversaw everything, and to be honest, it was never a problem. The ratings were always really strong, the guest interaction was always really good, and in my head, I kind of thought the system was unneeded, but I'm also not familiar with their brand and their structure of entertainment, so to each their own. I thought the whole thing at this point was just a little bit weird, because I finally got the job title that I wanted, but by the time I got there, the position had changed. Nonetheless, the cruise director was still a senior officer, and the ED and CD team, which is what it was called, was made to be more of a partnership than anything else. Someone to help take away the pressure of being bogged down by paperwork. What was clear though, was that the cruise director was expected to be a performer and to be on stage a lot more and to focus on leadership a lot less. That's what brings me to cruise director training. Since the ED and CD system was so new, the training was meant to help steer us in a new direction, implementing the changes that Ocean Cruise Line wanted to implement. Plus, it was clear from the get-go that the cruise line wanted to standardize a lot of stuff across the fleet. Part of splitting the two positions was to ensure that things were actually being done as corporate had written them down to be. That's a bit of a context in terms of what I was to expect with this new job, but also, not everyone knows how this system works, and it's a bit more complicated, so I wanted to explain partly what that struggle was going to be like, as well as the, the new structure of the industry. A couple of short hours later, my flight touched down in a very warm, very sunny Miami, compared to the chilly negative 4 degrees Celsius that I had just left from. I went straight to my hotel, mostly because I wanted to unpack and just settle in. And I wanted to meet the other cruise directors that I would be in the training program with. My hotel was interesting. It was in suburban Miami, so there wasn't really much around except for well, suburbia. But the rooms were larger and all studio style. So it was one room, but it had a kitchen, a really big closet, which was helpful. I'd be in this room for about four days. After that, the plan was to go to an actual ship then to head home and basically wait for an opening. But just in case, I had packed for a full contract, because if there's anything I learned from working on ships so far, it was to expect the unexpected. Justin had given me a heads up that there were going to be two other new cruise directors in training with me. One was Canadian, and the other one was Scottish. What I didn't know was that they were a lot older than I was. As I walked into the hotel's outdoor pool area to meet them, I felt a little bit nervous. Were these my competition, or people that I could learn a thing or two from and actually bond with? As I opened the gate, I saw that there was just the three of us in there. Donald was a heavyset Scottish guy with short brown hair. He was swimming around in the pool and gave me a big smile and a wave. Hey, you must be Kabir. I'm Donald. I'm Brody. Brody was a middle-aged man with a big 
honking beer belly. As soon as he spoke, I knew I was speaking to a fellow Canadian. It turned out, we were both from Toronto. Within a few minutes, we were swimming in the pool, having a beer, and talking about our experience on ships. Well, I started off as a shoppy, tried the whole retail thing, and then decided it wasn't for me. A friend of mine recommended me, and here I am. My story's the same, eh? Started in the shops, tried entertainment, went back home for a few years. Now it's time to give it a shot again, right? It turned out that between the three of us, I was actually the most experienced in terms of actual time at sea and entertainment, despite there being a clear 15-year age gap. The other thing I noticed was that their drive to want to be cruise director was a bit different than mine. I had a fire, like I knew it was what I wanted to do with my career, and to this day I still feel that fire when I think of my job. Their approach was a bit different, it was like a chance at a different life, but it wasn't a career goal for them. I rubbed it off because at the end of the day, we're all on the same team and everybody has their own different goals and the way that they're going to perceive these type of situations. Justin had actually prepared a schedule for us, and that was kind of the topic of conversation. Over the next five days, we would be getting a glimpse at various elements of our job. Before I'd even left home, Justin emailed me scripts for all of the things that I would be hosting. From game shows to the welcome board show, it was all in a script, and we all had those scripts. There was something I was definitely not used to about that coming from my previous cruise line, but I realized that with this new system, the cruise director is out hosting just about everything. And again, the whole reason for this split of positions was compliance. Corporate wants things to be done in a very uniform way. And since scripts were such a major part of my job, and I had no admin work to do, learning a couple of scripts or cues for specific shows were just a part of the new gig. The training schedule was to train in Miami for four days. Then, the three of us would be heading to the Oceanic Freedom to shadow the cruise director on there. After that, I was supposed to be going home because I didn't have an assignment yet. However, since I was in Miami, and it was Sunday evening and nothing was planned, I'd managed to arrange a dinner with Destiny, the guest services manager from my last ship. Turned out she was boarding a ship the following day on Monday, and she had a night to kill. I met up with Destiny later that night at a trendy restaurant on Miami Beach. I just like to say, I've always wanted to say that like a proper jet setter. Hun, I'm so glad you got this job. I couldn't think of anyone better. She was wearing a black and orange dress, so much nicer than the officer's uniform I was used to seeing her in. The training is going to be intense. I've got like 10 scripts to memorize in just a few days. Darling, nobody actually follows the scripts that strictly. You're going to be fine. As dinner went on, one thing that Destiny mentioned stayed with me. Listen, honey, you're on top now. And to everyone else, it looks like you just walked in and took the job. But remember, you earned it and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Destiny had a point, but it had me worried. Could people not like me for the way that I got the job? And what about Brody and Donald? Because very soon the question would come up. 
Are we really all on the same team? Walking through the doors of Ocean Cruise Line's headquarters felt really different this time. It felt familiar. Plus, I was there without feeling all of the pressure that I'd felt the first time, which was just a month ago. Justin walked the three of us up to the entertainment section of the building, which happened to be on the fourth floor. We ended up taking shelter in an unused office, which I guess someone was on vacation. We started off with the basics, an overview of the department, what a day in the life would be like, etc. So as the cruise director, expect to be on all the time. In many ways, you're the celebrity of the ship. Justin said in his skin-tight blue suit. So on average, how many hours a day do you reckon we'd be working? Well, on paper, it's eight, but really it's going to feel like closer to 10, 12 Donald, one of the other cruise directors in training, looked as though all of the blood rushed from his face. Donald was a, a pretty heavy set guy, nice guy, and I got the impression that he didn't know the extent of what he had signed up for and just how physical it would be. I also just wanted to explain something because it's an important part of what I was feeling at the time. My very close friend, Gajal, whom I consider more of a family member than a friend, is who recommended me for this job. Her friend Justin is the one who's training me. He played a big part in making sure that my resume got attention. Part of moving up isn't about what you know, it's about who you know and plugging in your knowledge to the right people. Anyway, Justin is conducting this training and I was really excited to spend time with him, especially after all of the amazing things that Gajal had said about him. At first, I thought it was an advantage to know him and have a connection. But that couldn't have been further from the truth. For the first few days of training, we started off at head office, and then we would branch out to see different parts of the entertainment product. For example, one day we saw Ocean Studios, which is where the production casts go to rehearse and the shows come to fruition. The evenings were the fun part. Usually we'd pick a bar somewhere around Miami, usually near the beach to grab drinks. One night, we went to this amazing bar called Palace. It was right on Miami Beach. There were amazing drinks, music, and drag shows every hour with drag queens walking up and down the sidewalk. As we arrived, Justin decided to sit next to me. I was surprised, to be honest, because he kept to himself and he was kind of distant with me. I smiled at him and he just had this look. It was almost like a sense of pity, like he felt bad for me. I couldn't put my finger on it. So I leaned over to him, trying to speak over the loud music. Are you okay? Yeah, of course. Just works a lot. Cool, let's get some drinks. All right, sure, let's go. That was the extent of the conversation. And it was something that I was noticing more and more. He wasn't talking to me very much. And frankly, it was starting to worry me. Throughout the entire training process, Brody, Donald, and I were constantly memorizing scripts. And there were so many scripts to memorize. 
four game show formats, the Welcome Aboard Show, Disembarkation Talk, our Kids Parade, and it was all very intricate. For example, I'd have to say specific lines at certain points in the show to cue the lighting and visual effects. By the fourth and final day of the head office portion of our training, Justin had planned for us to plug it all in. Joining us on this adventure was the manager of entertainment for the Wonder Class, Kelly. And Kelly, like Justin, used to be a cruise director years ago, but decided to settle down and have a family. On that final day in Miami, we'd be plugging in everything we'd memorized because it was better that we did it now rather than waiting until we got on board when rehearsal time would be a lot harder to find on top of us actually being the cruise director and running around. All five of us piled into the car and drove to the port of Miami and we walked aboard the ship at eight o'clock sharp. All I could think of was my time aboard the Oceanic Joy, which was the last ship that I'd worked on. This ship, the Oceanic Euphoria, looked identical, but weirdly older, kind of late 80s chic. Funny enough, this was the first ship that had ever been on that was older than I was. The ship was in the middle of disembarking the previous cruise, something that Justin really wanted us to see because the cruise director played a major role in the disembarkation process. And it was a complete mess. It reminded me of back when my family used to cruise on Ocean Cruise Line. It was always hard to get off the ship. It was just crowded and busy and everybody got all up in your space. When I was working aboard the Oceanic Joy just a few months before, I rarely saw this process, mostly because I had nothing to do with disembarkation and I would be asleep on turnaround days until about 10 a.m., long after the process was completed. As I stood there in the very busy, very crowded atrium, I was astounded by how many people were standing in line to get off the ship. The stanchion spiraled all around the atrium, zigzagging left and right, up and down, and what I found really funny was seeing that some guests were walking off with their full-on suitcases, like a big suitcase, like the kind that you would travel to Europe with for a month. I thought that was just an astounding feat because the cruise was only three days long. Like, how much stuff do you need? I don't know. If you travel with a lot of stuff and you disagree with me, send me a message because I'd like to know, am I just being delusional or whatever? Anyway, then out of nowhere, as I'm just taking in the atrium, I see this super handsome guy walk up behind Justin and give him a huge hug. Oh my god, you're actually here on the ship! Maxime, my darling, how are you? Maxime Silavi was the cruise director of the Oceanic Euphoria. He was six foot tall, with brown hair and a very well-maintained beard. He was thin, relatively fit-looking, and had a slight French-Canadian accent. Then he shook Brody's hand, then Donald's. But before he shook mine, he smirked, looking me up and down. Maxime. Kabir, nice to meet you. Yes, there was interest there on his part. I just saw it and I knew it, but at this point, there were far more important things to worry about. Maxime replied, You too, shall we go to the theater? Maxime then guided us through a series of crowded stairwells and into the Euphoria Theater. For a relatively small ship, the theater was still pretty big, and this time, 
I would be the one standing on that stage. Maxime took a seat at the front of the theater, and he opened his laptop and started typing away. It was a little bit awkward because nobody really knew what was happening just yet, so I just started looking around backstage. A moment later, Justin came up behind me, speaking relatively quietly. So, I've been looking at the scheduling, and it seems like you could be taking over this ship. Wow, that's amazing. Up until this point, I thought I'd be flying home after training and waiting for something to open up. So listen, the pressure's on. Kelly's here to evaluate if you'd be a good fit, so make sure you know the scripts, okay? Justin nodded curtly and walked off. The thought that crossed my mind was, did Justin know about this beforehand and he just wanted to lay it on thick? Or did he actually only look at the scheduling and find out now? I thought it was more the former. Because at the end of the day, I knew I had to prove myself. My gut instinct told me this was the time to impress. Everything I had worked for up until this point boiled down to this moment. As I walked down the side stairs of the stage toward my seat, Justin casually looked up from his phone and said, Kabir, you're up first. I smiled, nodded, turned around, and immediately wanted to puke. It's funny, I couldn't remember the last time that I felt that nervous. There was an immense sense of pressure, knowing that Justin, Kelly, the other two cruise directors were gonna be watching me, as well as the crew who were running the show and whom I could potentially be working with in the very near future. On top of that, I knew that Justin and Kelly especially would be watching because they themselves had performed this game show hundreds, if not thousands of times. Despite it all, my game face was on. Before I had time to think, I was standing center stage, the lights went down and off I went. Good evening, welcome to Making Waves, the Ocean's Game Show. And now, please welcome your host, your cruise director. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Who's ready for a brilliant game show? I gestured to our group to make some noise, which made them all laugh. And there was no audience, so I had to play with it a little bit. Amazing, because as much as I'm the host, you are going to be the stars. In just a moment, I'm going to pick a member of the red team. Woo! And the blue team. Ha! By this point, Justin was helping the group make audience noises. The rest of the rehearsal went by without one issue. I nailed it. At the end, Kelly just said, Kabir, that was awesome. Only thing, talk a little slower at the end, but otherwise perfect. Donald, you're next. Go on up. Donald got up there, and right off the bat, there were issues. Donald missed the first three cue lines, and it was clear that Kelly was having none of it. Donald, remember you need to identify the teams, then cue picking contestants. The back and forth went on for the better part of an hour. To my surprise, Brody wasn't that much better. He fumbled at every line and he just clearly wasn't prepared. Overall, 
I felt like I had proven myself. But I also felt a bit bad for Donald and Brody. As Brody was on stage, Maxime looked away from his laptop, leaned over to me and said, Listen, don't worry about all of this unnecessary pressure they're going to put on you. Once you're on board, you'll be fine. And these two... Ah. Maxime gestured at Justin and Kelly. Then he clicked his laptop shut, stood up and said, How about a tour? Come on, let's go. I stood up to go with Maxime, but Justin chimed in, turned around and said, Hello, where are you going? Before I had a chance to respond, Maxime said, Listen, it's fine. Come on, Justin. I want to take him for a tour of the ship. Leave him alone. Justin immediately backed down, as if the fiercer gay had let out his roar. Maxime took me on a tour of all of the ship's public areas, from the aft lounge, the promenade deck, the pool deck, and I won't lie, they were all looking pretty tired. There was a lot of purple, but clearly the ship did well. People liked it. It had character. Hence why it hadn't been retired yet. Eventually, we ended up on deck nine, overlooking the pier. The forklifts were frantically taking provisions on board below us. Hey, Maxime, thanks for the advice. I really appreciate it because it's just been a ton of pressure and I don't even know what's coming at me. Maxime looked down and out at the harbor. Anytime. Listen, I worked for head office, so... I get the pressure they put on you, it's not always fair. Cut the crap, focus on what matters. He looked at me, almost the same way that Justin had looked at me before. Listen, you're going to kick some serious butt, I just know it. It turned out that Maxime actually had a lot of credibility. He had worked for the cruise line in head office, rolling out some new entertainment protocols years ago. As a result, his relationship with the head office staff was really good and relatively casual. That meant that what he said carried a lot of weight because there was a mutual respect. He knew what their jobs were like, and obviously, they knew what his job was like. He was really supportive, and based on our conversation, I had a really good feeling that I would be seeing more of him and the oceanic euphoria. Hey there, if you're enjoying the show, make sure to go ahead and rate our episode. Also, spread the word. Share us on social media and tell your friends. It helps to grow the show and spreads the word. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. By 6 a.m. the next morning, Brody, Donald, and I were on an American Airlines A320 headed to Houston, Texas. Houston's the gateway to the port of Galveston, which is on the west side of the Gulf of Mexico. Now, our flight was delayed on the ground, then the transfer took over an hour to pick us up from the airport, and on top of that, it's over an hour and a half to get to the port of Galveston. By the time cruise directors cubed, which is what I was calling us, but I never really caught on, got on board, we were just 20 minutes away from the general emergency drill. The ship's entertainment director, Aaron, a fellow Canadian, met us at the gangway. Aaron was five feet tall with black curly hair. She stood in the atrium on deck three waiting for us just as we walked across the gangway. You guys made it, we were getting so worried. She had a warm smile 
and guided us up to her office, which was also her cabin, a pretty sweet cabin that had a bedroom and office area in it. It was really nice. To get to her cabin office, Erin took us through the nine story tall atrium into the theater and through a small staircase and it led us into the senior officer corridor. In her hallway was the food operations manager, senior chef, chief engineer, her, and then Fred, the cruise director. The hallway was just around the corner from the entrance to backstage, convenient for the cruise director. Speaking of which, as we arrived to her cabin, Fred, the cruise director, walked out of his room. I could hear you guys coming from the other side of the theater. Welcome aboard. We all had a laugh and, as I like to say, exchanged pleasantries. Fred wasn't a tall guy, he had an average build, and he was in his late 30s. He was bald, and to be honest, he kind of looked more like a guest that would be cruising the ship rather than someone working on it. Hey, I'm headed up to the bridge for the drill. Do you guys want to join, or would you rather put your stuff down? To be honest, I jumped at the chance. To my surprise, Brody and Donald decided to go down to their cabins. My thinking was, I want to get as much information as possible, and being comfortable or unpacking, that stuff could wait. In my two years at sea, I had only been to the bridge a handful of times, and for really short periods, so having the chance to be up there for the better part of an hour was incredible. Fred took the forward crew elevators, which led us right to the bridge entry door. As we walked onto the bridge, I was like a kid in a candy store. It was cool. There was tons of navigation equipment, as well as information screens with cameras and temperature readings for different parts of the ship. Fred took a few minutes to show me around before we ended up getting down to business. Hey, come check out the view. We were standing on the starboard bridge wing, overlooking the side of the ship that was docked next to the pier. It was incredible knowing that we were some of the people that had this view. Some of just a handful of people that would get to see that view for the entire voyage. It was impeccable. But what Fred was about to show me was even cooler. I liked the idea of the cruise director reading the emergency drill, mostly because it ensures that guests get a clear, engaging voice to articulate such important information. Plus, it's a great way for guests to hear your voice for the first time so it becomes recognizable. Fred and I walked over to the PA system of the Oceanic Freedom. Basically, a little microphone sticking out of one of the consoles. Underneath it were a series of labeled switches, each of which were connected to specific areas of the ship. Freedom Theater, Lido Restaurant, Spa, Guest Cabins, Guest Corridors, Crew Cabins, Crew Corridors, just to name a few. Listen, before we get started, you've got to know something. Captains can be super weird. This captain is leaving to go home in a week, so he's over it. Just say hi, be nice, and get out. He doesn't like it if we stick around up here. Just then, the lock on the bridge door clicked open. In walked a tall man with medium-length curly hair with a bit of gray in it. Based on the number of stripes on his epaulette, I knew it was the captain. Captain, good to see you. Fred, pleasure. How are things, Captain? Uh, same sheet, a different day. The captain didn't even look up. He walked straight to the portside bridge wing, not acknowledging me at all. 
Fred showed me the binder that contained the emergency drill speech. Another really cool thing that the cruise director gets to do is to ring the alarms. Before I knew it, Fred had launched into the 15-minute announcement, communicating with the hotel director to figure out when to sound crew alert, which was the alarm that told crew members to go to their stations and prepare for the drill. But if this was a real emergency, they'd be preparing the muster stations. Fred, we are ready with crew alert. Please sound crew alert. Okay, sounding crew alert. Ladies and gentlemen, the following announcement is for crew only. Crew alert, crew alert, crew alert. Once everyone was in position, the general emergency alarm went off, and Fred was occupied for about 10 minutes. At one point, the captain has to speak and welcome everyone. It's about five or six lines in the actual speech, and most of the time captains just say whatever they want. In this case, the captain wanted nothing to do with this and just wanted to get off the PA system. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Oceanic Freedom. I wish you a great cruise. Your safety is our top priority. With that said, we are good to go and uh, this concludes the emergency drill. After the captain finished with his announcement, he turned to Fred with a puzzled expression and said, Who is this man? Hi, I'm Kabir. I'm going to be taking over another ship as cruise director, so I'm just here shadowing Fred. The captain raised one of his brows and just kind of nodded and said, Okay, good luck. He walked off and that was that. Why did I feel like I had just met a Disney supervillain of some sort? He was a nice guy in the end. From that point, Fred practically ran to his cabin to get dressed for the sail away party. It was non-stop. When we got to Fred's cabin, he made another announcement, telling people to head to the pool deck for the sail away party, as well as a few advertisements for the onboard shops. Well, everyone, now that the drill's over, it's time to get started with your holiday. Join us on the pool deck for our sail away party. We're going to be singing and dancing under the Caribbean sun with the amazing entertainment team of the Oceanic Freedom. Plus, as we set sail, go and check out our onboard shops. They're going to be opening up so you can take advantage of some great duty-free deals. I took a mental note. The cruise directors at Ocean Cruise Line have PA systems directly in their cabins. That was awesome. Also, super helpful when you're making five announcements a day. Before I knew it, I was on the pool deck doing the party dances with Fred and the entertainment team. And it was nice to see because all of Ocean Cruise Line's sail away parties followed the same format. The cruise director on stage leading a series of very, very similar dances. By this point in the day though, I was an absolute sweaty mess, and I was in desperate need of a shower and to settle in, since for the last couple of hours, I hadn't unpacked or anything. I just went straight into what the cruise director was doing. My cabin was a crew cabin on deck 11 of all places. It was kind of this corridor in the middle of outside balcony cabins. It was just a really interesting place, and I was surrounded by members of the spa team. I had a bunk bed crew cabin, which made it difficult to do much. The room was a little bit tight, considering I was traveling with two full suitcases. I took some time to get showered and changed, because that evening, 
Donald, Brody, Aaron, and I were sitting in the third row of the Freedom Theater, and we were watching Fred perform the Welcome Aboard show, which, by the way, was the old version of the show. It had these moving set pieces, so in many ways it wasn't really relevant to us because our show was completely different, but it was still cool to see. Right after the Welcome Aboard show, Fred told everyone to head up to the promenade deck, which was on deck five on this class of ship. There was this activity, it was called Walk the Promenade. As soon as the show was over, Fred ran up the stairs that were next to the stage, up to deck five toward the theater doors on the promenade deck. The entertainment team all shuffled behind him and chanted, Walk the promenade! Let's walk the promenade! The first stop was the ship's rum bar for a dance-off with the band that was playing there. Guests were dancing it out and doing all sorts of things. That's something I noticed to be unique to Ocean Cruise Line. Guests just didn't have anything to worry about. They danced, they drank, they had a great time. It wasn't as restrictive as my first cruise line. This was also the spot where Brody, Donald, and I all met up with Erin, who was observing the event from the corner. She walked over to us and said, Well guys, that's about it for our turnaround day. They're going to guide them to the comedy club and that's it. I think it's time we grab some drinks. Fred carried on heading to Deck 5 aft. Since the comedy club was at the back of the ship, the four of us grabbed a seat and decided to wait for him. Brody leaned in, trying to speak over the music. Hey, it's, it's pretty straightforward, eh? Isn't it? Expressing the sentiment that he didn't feel like the job was that much of a challenge. Erin just sat back in her seat and said, No, it's pretty simple. It's just about the energy and connection you build with the guests and just being seen. Everyone took a sip of their drinks and leaned back in their chairs, nodding along to the music from the party band. Erin leaned in and locked eyes on me. What about you, Kabir? You're pretty young to be doing all of this. Honestly, it's something I've always really wanted to do. And at this point, I'm just itching to get started. Don't worry, hun. You're going to fit right in. Also, tomorrow night, there's a crew party hosted by entertainment. Just a bit of context. Crew parties usually happen every few weeks. And generally, different departments take turns hosting them. When your department hosts, it means that everyone from your team is going to be there. It's a great way to get to know people. Now, I was just curious what the ship's culture was like compared to my last ship, the Oceanic Joy. So, Aaron, what's the social scene like on this ship? The crew get along? Do they hang out together? Honestly, it's mixed. The cast just keep to themselves, but the host team is really connected and they're always out having a good time. Shortly after, Fred joined us. It had been a massive day for all of us. Traveling, taking in all this new information. I felt like I was having a bit of a sensory overload. Brody and Donald decided to stay out, but for me, it was bedtime. But little did I know, this was just the beginning because the following day was a sea day. At Ocean Cruise Line, sea days were no joking matter, especially on shorter cruises. I met up with Fred at 8 a.m. for a walk around the ship, mostly just saying hello to passengers, socializing, and most importantly, being seen. Fred had told me that being seen at the right place and the right time was the most important things in terms of appealing to guests. 
By 9 o'clock a.m., Fred was in the theater hosting the morning show, the kids' parade, poolside belly flop competition, and the list went on. This guy was seriously running around. I'd also like to point out that Brody and Donnell, the other two cruise directors I was training with, joined Fred and I just for the belly flop competition. That's it. They hadn't joined us for any of the morning, which was a little bit surprising to me. I had no clue what they were doing, but I know that they observed a few things, just not everything. That evening, though, was formal night, which meant getting dressed up. Now, I'd gotten a couple of new suits just for the occasion of becoming cruise director. Every cruise director has to have a pretty impressive wardrobe. Because the other thing was, I wasn't 100% sure where I would be after my training was done, so it was better to have it than to not, and now was the opportunity to wear it for the first time. By 6 o'clock p.m., some of the ship's senior officers, including the captain, hotel director, staff captain, chief engineer, and Fred, were gathered on deck three next to the atrium. Now, when I say next to, I mean hidden away over towards the side of the atrium where the shore excursions desk was. It was clear they did not want to be seen. Corporate mandated that officers had to be out socializing on formal nights because it just helped increase guest interaction. But it seems like this captain was just not interested at all, and the captain sets the tone. After all of the other officers left, Fred told cruise directors Cubed, still going with that name, some great news. We would be going on a private shore excursion the following day in Cozumel. That way, we could check out what excursions were being marketed to guests because we would have to talk about them in the Fun on Shore, Fun on Board show, a similar show to what I saw Carter doing on my last ship. But before we could even think about the next day, we had to focus on the evening ahead. Now, what I loved about Formal Night was how straightforward everything was. Our little troop followed Fred into the theater and settled in for the show. And that is where things got interesting. Just as the show started, Fred leaned over to me and said, Do you see that giant set piece? It always breaks. Now, in my career at sea, I had never seen a show stop before. A show stop is basically where the production manager stops the show, resets, and then it picks up from a different place. Sure enough, a few minutes later, this car set piece that moves around the stage got stuck moving from one side of the stage to the other, causing its mouth to fall off, which was just hilarious. Fred immediately leaped up out of his seat and ran onto the stage. Ladies and gentlemen, as I'm sure as you can see, we, uh, we need a moment here to just quickly reset the stage, and then we'll take it from the last number. Are you guys enjoying the show? Fred was a great, great host. He was charismatic, real, and the most important thing I noticed was who he was on stage was also who he was off stage. I was learning a lot from him just as a person, in addition to the things that I actually needed to know for the position. But little did I know, Fred had a secret. After the show, Fred hosted his 80s music trivia party in the atrium. There was easily 300 people watching throughout the atrium, all trying to dance and get in on the fun. It was good to see because it showed us what we could expect to experience when we became the cruise directors. Fred invited us to join him at the ship's martini bar for drinks right after the party. Now, as much as that sounds like fun, it was actually strategic. 
The martini bar stuck out into the promenade, and it was smack in the middle of the promenade. So if we were sitting in the correct spot, guests were able to speak to us and notice us as they walked by. It was great publicity. According to Fred, the key to being a good cruise director was being seen as much as possible at the right time in the right places. And as Fred said, work smart, not hard. As we sat there at the martini bar, I asked Fred what other ships he'd worked on, or other cruise lines for that matter. To my surprise, he'd actually worked for one of my favorite cruise lines. I was an assistant cruise director there. I worked for the company for over 15 years. So, why did you leave? Brody and Donald sipped their martinis, eyes fixed on Fred. Well, uh, actually, I was fired. And I have no problem sharing the story because it was really, really silly. Basically, there was this app you could download on your phone and you get free Wi-Fi. It just bypassed the login screen. I downloaded it and then I was called for a meeting with the captain. I was fired because I was stealing from the company. That's what they considered it at least. It was silly and I shouldn't have downloaded the app. I should have been more of an example, but I always felt like it was excessive. There were dozens, if not hundreds of crew with this app on their phones. I was shocked that he was fired from a cruise line, but what it also showed me was that everyone has their story. Just because he was fired didn't mean that he wasn't any good at his job or anything like that. In fact, this was more so a technicality than anything else. I commended him because it took a lot for him, obviously, to come to this cruise line and do it all again. And in the end, he got promoted. He became cruise director and he got to continue his career. It made me think really highly of Ocean Cruise Line as well for giving him an extra shot after he would have explained this situation. After finishing our martinis, Fred and I thought that that was the end of the night. Little did we know that Brody and Donnell had planned to go to the crew party. Whoa there, bod buddy. I mean, you're not coming with us. Brody kind of asked, slurring his words. My thinking was, I'm not on the ship for that long, and frankly, there wasn't really a point in socializing because I'd rather take that energy and time and dedicate it to learning everything I needed to know. Plus, we had to be up at 7 a.m. sharp because Cozumel was waiting. Our shore excursion in Cozumel was actually pretty cool. It wasn't gonna be a typical excursion though. One of the tour companies arranged to take us to different sites across Cozumel. For example, the Jose Cuervo Tequila Distillery, a few beaches, a rope park. There, were, there was just tons of information that we needed to take in and we wanted to get to as many different places as possible because these would all be parts of different shore excursions that we would be marketing to passengers. It was a ton of information, so I decided it was best to take some notes, pictures, and videos just to have record of everything in case I needed it later. By the time I got to the ship, my phone was actually nearly dead. A big reason for this trip was because we would be pushing these excursions in our Fun On Board, Fun On Shore show, the same one that I used to provide coupon books for, and the same one that I'd seen a cruise director that was on my previous ship host. 
Since we'd be pushing the excursions, it was nice for us to actually see what it was going to be like. By the time the ship got back into Galveston, I finally had cell service again. And I had a message waiting for me from Justin, saying to call him. I stood next to the cruise terminal in this tiny bit of shade. Right, come here, how are things? Well, they're great. I've actually been learning a ton from Fred, and it's been nice to play- you have to focus and pull up your socks. This is not a holiday. I didn't think it was. Then why are you going around asking the entertainment director what the social scene is like on board? I took a breath, thinking of how I needed to respond to this. Well, Justin, that was taken out of context. She was actually talking to me about the crew party. Oh, a crew party. Well, you've been quite busy then, haven't you? Actually, Justin, I didn't go to the crew party. Hmm, right. And apparently you were on your phone the whole time you were on your tour in Cozumel. Justin, I was taking notes the whole time. I actually have pages and pictures. I can send them to you. Right, sure. Listen, Kelly wants to speak to you. Justin was angry, and clearly something wasn't right. Uh, come here, you need to be on that ship and act like the cruise director of that ship. I want to see your name in comments. I expect a series of glowing reviews in the last few days that you're on that ship. Take advantage of that time. Justin took the phone back before I could even say anything back to Kelly. You're heading out to the Oceanic Euphoria for handover in two days. You're going to get off the ship next time it's in Cozumel, so you better do better. Well, if you just let me explain... So let's just unpack that. That was a conversation that I still to this day remember distinctly because I didn't understand entirely where it was coming from or who was relaying all of that information. It had to have been either Brody or Donald. How else would Justin have known that I was writing things down on my phone? Something I didn't appreciate was being made to feel as though I wasn't doing enough. I'd followed Fred around and observed for way more of the cruise than Brody and Donald had. I didn't attend the crew party the night before Cosmel, and I was definitely not slacking off. I felt helpless and attacked, and a bit upset at Justin because I thought he had my back. The other part was, I didn't want to obstruct Fred's operation by injecting myself into it. In my opinion, it was insensitive. I was here to observe, not to try and get attention for myself, because Fred was the cruise director of the ship. It was his voice on the PA system, it was him on the TVs, and at the end of the day, while I understood Kelly's sentiment, I didn't agree with the implications it could have on Fred's ratings. As I walked back on board, I just felt my legs feeling weak. I was upset. It was like I was trying so hard that it was backfiring, and I just couldn't identify why. The only place I felt like I could go to was to speak to Fred. But since I'd spent so much time with him, I felt like I'd actually gotten to know him as a person, and I felt that I could relate with him, and maybe he had some sort of insight. On my way to his cabin, I saw that Aaron, the entertainment director's door, was open, but her curtain was closed, so I couldn't see in, but I could hear. Now, I could tell that Inside, it was Aaron and Donald having a conversation. And why are we even learning from someone who's been fired? He's a bad example. I haven't much respect for him. Clearly, he was talking about Fred. 
He's a good cruise director, but God help that little Kabir. He's in way over his head. It was like the universe was sending me a message. I decided to just shrug it off and walk in to Fred's cabin. Now, just on a separate note here, I loved his cabin. It had this little hallway, a bedroom, and an office with this beautiful window. It was nice. Now, not as nice as the cruise director cabin from my last cruise line, but it was still really, really comfortable. Fred, I'm just, I got a call from Justin. Clearly, Fred could tell that something was wrong, and he came over and gave me this big hug. This was the first time in my career that I felt this way, just defeated and a little bit helpless. My eyes welled up, and I told Fred what had just happened. I trusted Fred, because he was the only one who knew that I had been with him the whole time. I also knew that he wasn't usually in touch with Justin the same way that Aaron or Donald was, or Brody for that matter, because everybody was suspect at this point. They're definitely up to something. I will handle it. Don't worry, I'll find out what's going on, but listen, kid, you need to prove yourself and send Justin the notes you took. Send him proof that you're doing exactly what you should be doing, and I'll make sure he knows that too. In just a couple of short days, my training would be over, and I'd be starting my handover on board the Oceanic Euphoria. In fact, I'd be the first of our little group of three to go and become cruise director. As I headed back to my cabin, I sent Justin the notes, and then I got a message from Maxime, the cruise director of Oceanic Euphoria. Hey, I heard the good news. Excited to get started. Wink emoji. Now, this was a lot. Was I actually in over my head? Or did I just have to suck it up and power through and break into the other side? It turns out this was just the beginning. From a supernatural encounter to a full-on riot, I was about to embark on the ride of my life. Things were about to get far more interesting and real. That, and so much more in part two. Until then, it's all about keeping afloat. I'm Kabir, your host. Thanks for listening. This is season two, episode five of Keeping Afloat. Produced in Toronto, Canada. Copyright Cruise Director Kabir 2021. What did one ocean say to the other? Nothing. They just waved. <laughs> that was horrible. But if you liked it, send me a message on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you soon.